Welcome to DAC Beechcroft's LawCast. I am David Kennedy, Senior Associate in our Injury Risk Team, and this is part two of our series of podcasts on the judicial guidelines for personal injury awards in Ireland. Please don't forget to check out the first episode where we hear from Barrister Sheila Reedy, John Sheehy, partner in our Injury Risk Team, and also retired Judge Bernard Barton on their reactions to the guidelines and how they foresee them being implemented going forward. In this episode, we will be discussing the expected impact of the guidelines on the Irish court system and the Personal Injuries Assessment Board. We'll also explore the potential impact of the reforms on the insurance market generally as they come into force on the 24th of April. If I can turn to um, how we see the actual impact on the court system and perhaps even PIAB um, itself, Clearly, there's been some concern, I think, expressed regarding um, the anticipated increase in proceedings perhaps being issued in the district court. And, you know, again, I'm thinking of those kind of um, low level kind of soft tissue injuries, um, valuation up to a maximum of 15,000 euros. Um, I mean, is a district court, I mean, perhaps, uh, Sheila, you might be able to to uh, to answer this. Um, do you see the capacity and workload of the, of the district court being able to take on um, increased um, personal injury cases and, and deal with them efficiently? That's a very good question, David. I think there's certainly been a lot of press coverage about that issue. Uh, and I think it is going to be a real problem. I mean, the district court has an awful lot of work to do in terms of crime and family law and very kind of urgent and pressing work that's in there every single day. And the reality is currently that, you know, since the the change in jurisdiction a few years ago, that the district court is already finding it difficult to deal with uh, the amount of civil cases that it has because, you know, it it just simply doesn't have the capacity um, and and I just don't think they seem to have the judges um, to deal with the amount. So I think Given that the the significant reduction in awards, uh, there's inevitably going to be um, certainly an increase in claims in the district court, and that I think you know without something being done uh, will lead to inevitable delays then in hearing cases in the district court, unless there's perhaps specific civil sittings set up, civil judges set up, etc. Um, I think that's going to be a real problem. But also, as Judge Barton has said, it's it's not just the lower le- um, levels and the lower end of the spectrum that have been reduced, the more serious cases have been, you know, also reduced in terms of the level of awards. And that'll affect not just the district court, but also it'll affect some, you know, kind of medical negligence type cases coming from that perhaps previously would have been issued in the high court that might now be issued in the circuit court. And I think that's going to cause a lot of constraints on, you know, not just the district court, but also the circuit court and trying to deal with a medical negligence case that might take several days at several experts where traditionally you would normally, you know, agree your reports and and get on with things uh, a lot more quicker than you might say a medical negligence case. So I think in terms of the jurisdiction across the board, in terms of district and circuit court, there is certainly going to be a knock-on effect from these guidelines. Yeah. Um uh, John, I mean, it's been suggested in some quarters that whilst the guidelines should result, you know, hopefully more predictable court awards, so those parties involved in such claims should perhaps have an increased confidence in accepting amounts suggested by the Personal Injuries Assessment Board. Um, do you anticipate the role of PIAB will, will change in light of the reform? And are we going to see more cases, for instance, settled through PIAB? I think so, David. And I think that's, um, you know, again, the, the intention is that cases, um, unless, absolute, uh, unless absolutely necessary, um, should be able to avoid the litigation system. And again, you know, I think if you have more prescriptive guidelines in terms of what various categories of injuries will, you know, what levels of, 
of damages will be attracted by various categories of injuries. I think you should see um, less litigation if plaintiffs and their advisors are going to be more sure that the amount of an assessment by the injuries board is is there or thereabouts in terms of what will also be will be um, handed down by the courts. So I think you 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 know the intention is certainly that with greater consistency and greater certainty that cases will be dealt with pre-litigation and at the PIEB stage. So that's certainly the intention. I think um, we'll have to wait and see how the guidelines are going to be interpreted before giving a definitive view on it, but that's certainly the, the intention. Also, I think it's, you know, it's interesting to see that the, um, the guidelines have, as I said earlier, new categories of injuries which were not previously dealt with in the book of quantum you know so for example psychiatric injuries are now provided for in the judicial council guidelines and you would i would expect that you'll also see those kind of cases being assessed by 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 where previously they were not um so yes i think that's the intention and i think it will be the effect as well subject to how the guidelines will be interpreted yeah. I mean, among the issues I think the Department of Justice is currently seeking submissions on is actually whether the PIA process, which, as we know, is a is a desktop assessment, uh, one should actually be expanded to involve perhaps mediation or whether there's a greater collection and publication of data would be useful in ensuring, you know, perhaps a, or lead to a fairer insurance system. Um, if I can ask you, Judge Barton, do you see a need to enhance the role of PIAB? Um, I know you yourself, you're moving into uh, mediation and dispute resolution. Um, services is 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 there a, a need to enhance that role for the assessment board? Yeah, no, I, I, that's that's a, that's a very good question, and and I, I I think that I'm very glad to hear that 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 they're looking at this, uh, expanding this uh, brief, if you like, um, and that and that mediation will will have more of a part to play uh, in and about the the, the buyout process, and and indeed even in those cases which come out of it and and um, proceed to litigation that that that, that mediation um, will will play an increasing role um and and that this is this is gathering force across europe um, not just in ireland um and uh, i see no reason why it shouldn't apply to uh, personal injury uh, personal injury claims especially if it helps to um get dispose of the claim at an earlier stage and if it does well then that is going to have an impact on cost and at the end of the day that's what the industry is obviously concerned about if it can actually get a reduction in cost then that um you know that's that's good news for everybody really yeah indeed um so if, if we consider you know to some extent the whole point of the guidelines is to somewhat reduce awards in certain categories um I mean, presumably it follows that legal costs are going to be impacted in a, in a somewhat similar vein. Um, and towards that, you would have to imagine there's going to be some practitioners are going to be concerned about costs. You know, if we look at the district court scale in particular. Um, uh, John, if I can ask you, what impact do you, do you see um, or do you think we will see in relation to legal costs generally, in addition to those awards of general damages? <clears throat> Well, again, David, it's it's interesting because I think you know the the intention is that if you have, if your injury is likely to attract a lower range of damages, then you're going to see litigation issuing in the lower courts, and and like Sheila and Judge Barton said, more cases in the district court and the circuit court, which will invariably attract lower costs. 
um, both on the plaintiff and defence side. Um, so again, the you know the intention being that if the case can't avoid litigation, that once it ultimately does go into litigation, you're going to see it litigated in the lower court, which will attract lower costs. And again, you know, following on from Judge Barton's point, um, you know, the, the the reports and the expert reports indicate that it's it's the level of damages and the costs that are feeding into the the increased premium. So I think that can only be a good thing from it from the industry's perspective in in reducing um, overall indemnity spend in relation to cases. Um, you you may see as well, and I suspect uh, you know practitioners who will be on the fence in terms of whether cases should issue in the district court or the circuit court, may be looking to potentially bolster the value of the claim to ensure that it's issued in the, the circuit court to attract higher costs. Um, and that is something that you, you might see coming down the lines as well. Um, also, I mean, the you know, there's the, the district court scale of costs um, are automatically provided for given the range of, uh, or given the, the, um, the, the awards. And I think possibly coming down the tracks, you, you might be looking at a revision of the scale of costs in relation to the district court for practitioners as well. And that's something to keep an eye on also. Yeah. And, and Sheila, I suppose if, if I could ask you, when, when do you actually think we'll start to see the effect of these guidelines? I, I know we're waiting for them to be enacted, but once they are, do you see them kind of filtering immediately into discussions, you know, be it settlement talks, um, you know, coming up? Or how you know advices are given to to um to both plaintiffs and defendants alike. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, um, and to a certain extent, it's a bit of a wait and see approach. But I think in in terms of um, the role of PIAB that we've just been discussing, with once they're enacted, uh, given the that the guidelines are a lot more, um, as just Bart said, prescriptive, uh, and there's a lot you know much wider range of categories, and it's a lot clearer to people precisely perhaps what category one falls in. I think the PIAB assessments and whether or not a claimant accepts or rejects it uh, will become a lot clearer, you know, and I think that effect will be felt fairly immediately on cases maybe settling earlier from PIAB or settling earlier by way of uh, settlements, etc. For those cases that that don't resolve at that early stage for whatever reason, um, you know, perhaps uh, you know, certain claimants don't feel that they do fall squarely within those guidelines. Uh, I think the effects, you know, won't be felt for a while until we start seeing those come through the courts, which could be a year or more. Um, and I think we're probably in line for some interesting uh, decisions from the higher courts as well, you know, on the guidelines, which will take a while to, to come. But I think certainly the impact will be felt fairly immediately on those cases that do resolve and can resolve and on the ones that don't will take a bit longer. But interesting decisions will follow on the, you know, the interpretation of the guidelines and the acts, etc. Yeah. Um, and finally, Judge Barton, um, the, as John is, was mentioning there in terms of the impact on insurance premium, and I suppose this is, this is something that has been a focus or at least a hope that these guidelines will impact and possibly drive down those premiums. There has been some criticism in some corners that the guidelines, in fact, don't go far enough. Uh, I'd be interested to know what you you would say in relation to that, and you know, and, and whilst obviously it's a matter for the insurance industry generally, do we see do we foresee an impact on insurance premiums coming quickly on foot of these changes? Um, well, well I, I I think we're going to see a fairly immediate uh, impact on awards. Uh, I agree with you. I think that uh, PIAB are going to are going to be right before the end of this summer. PIAB are already going to be applying these guidelines, 
Um, so I think there's going to be there's going to be a significant impact right away. I mean, relatively speaking, you know, within a few months, um, once PIAB start applying the guidelines, uh, there is some uncertainty, as John and Sheila have said, in relation to, you know, when these are becoming operative. Basically, the big principle is that you can't have retrospectivity that offends constitutional principle. So basically, uh, the legislation and the Attorney General will be advising in relation to this that that, that the, the, the legislation will, will have to make sure that the commencement doesn't have a retrospective effect. Um, uh, but I see a situation that certainly once an application is made, once, sorry, once the regular, once the guidelines come into force, uh, that certainly once 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 uh, an application is made, the, the there can't be any doubt, but that the guidelines are going to apply to those cases, and um, a and there's some suggestion that in fact the guidelines are are going to apply to anything that hasn't been assessed, but that's where the area of some concern is. Um, but so if we're going to get a relatively quick application in the sense of at least PIAB will be assessing cases according to these guidelines. It is going to take time. Uh, for example, high court cases, cases that are in the high court, uh, and, and given the, the body of cases that are backed up, especially in relation to COVID, I think it's probably going to be a year, uh, maybe 18 months in some cases before these guidelines, you're going to see them applied in the high court. Then there may be decisions of judges which are the industry or the plaintiff, for example, one side or the other, might want to appeal to the Court of Appeal to see um, the extent to which judges can exercise their discretion and the, the, the parameters within which they have to operate um, uh, or um, if they're departing from the, from, 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 from the guidelines. So it could take a couple of years before we see a sort of um, a jurisprudence building up uh, about the uh, application of the guidelines in in a court context, especially in the in the in the circuit or the high court, because I can see that if this happens in the circuit court, there'll be then appeals to the high court. So we're looking, I think, at an eighteen month to two year time frame before you're going to see the guidelines fully implemented, or what that what that what that landscape is going to look like. I think we're looking at a two-year period. The industry should look at this as it's going to be at least a two-year period before we, we're starting to get a picture coming into some sort of uh, focus. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, we know that a very significant number of claims are dealt with by PIAP and they will be applying the, the, the guidelines um, almost immediately. When I say almost immediately, compared to the the period we're going to have to wait to see the jurisprudence evolving, it's going to be almost immediately. It's certainly going to be, by, by this autumn, we, we should be starting to see this actually uh, in place. And there will undoubtedly be pressure uh, from the public uh, and from the politicians, because the minister himself, as, or herself, and the uh, transport minister have are on record of simply saying they're going to be keeping an eye on this. So there'll be a huge expectation, I think, that reductions in award levels and cost levels. So in other words, that if we have earlier settlement of claims, 
uh, less litigation um, and, and reduced levels of award, that this will be reflected in, in a palpable reduction in, in premium. And if there isn't, then there will be an, I anticipate there will be a negative, a negative impact. So there will definitely be, there is definitely already an expectation that the, this should all lead not only to a reduction in premium, but also to a greater availability of insurance for particularly liability insurance, cover for liability insurance. Now, how the industry is going to handle that, I don't know. It's a matter for the, it's obviously going to be a matter for the industry. I mean, often the, the Federation pointed out in, 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 in its media um, posts that awards in England were four times lower for the soft tissue injuries than they are in Ireland. But if you actually analyse that carefully, you first of all, you see these are settlements rather than court awards. And secondly, the premia are not four times lower. So uh, it, it doesn't follow that because you might get a 50% reduction in, in, in awards and a reduction in costs, that this is going to be a proportionate reduction in premia. It hasn't happened in the UK, and I don't think it's going to happen here either. But, 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 but obviously, but, but that there will have to be some reduction uh, in, in premia. That is already an expectation, and it's something which, which the industry will need to address in due course. And, and, and comments from the industry already simply saying, oh, well, you know, there's not going to be a reduction, or we won't be seeing that for some time, or not. It's not helpful, I would have thought. These guidelines have to be, they can be reviewed at any time, but they, they, they have to be reviewed three years from now, which is actually a very short period of time away. And I think maybe it might be useful for the industry to focus on the government policy uh, in relation to Article 3.1 of the Constitution, um, which is contained in a, a policy document that was issued on the 8th of December. In fact, the same the same day, I think, that the report on the guidelines were, were actually sent to the board of the Judicial Council. On that very same day, or the day before, the, the government published an initiative called the Shared Island Initiative, which is based on Article 3.1 of the Constitution, which itself is based on uh, the Belfast Agreement. Now, you listeners might say, what is that fellow talking about? It, it, the re what I'm talking about is that there will be pressure. I see pressure coming on um, to uh, achieve parity uh, in as many areas as possible uh, with our brethren in Northern Ireland. Uh, that's now official government policy. And I, I would recommend the industry looking carefully at this initiative, which is published by the government. I think that's going to get, that's going to get, uh, oxygen and it's going to it's going to take off in the next few years and so one of the uh, one of the uh, one of the areas where parity uh, this concept of parity we we know of it as parity of esteem which is in the Belfast agreement and in article 3 one of the constitution will be in any area where it might be possible to bring us uh, closer to Northern Ireland. So that raises the question of, an, of whether the Highland of Ireland should 
be considered by the industry as one market. Um, we know that award levels are lower, especially for the for the less serious injuries in the north of Ireland. So, in terms of preparing for three years from now, uh, I would have thought that the industry it would be in the interests of the of 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 the industry to look, or certainly to take into account. Um, something which is currently a possibility you might say it's a pipe dream but i think it's going to actually become a reality as my forecast uh, and that essentially to see the island as as a, as a whole market uh, and that basically a person sustaining a soft tissue injury in armagh can expect to get much the same award in in, in armagh as they can in dublin uh, and that um I think we're going in that direction. And so when the review is, takes place in three years' time, perhaps maybe that's the kind of focus that the that the industry, it's a matter for it, of course, but uh, I think we're, we're going to be going, the ship estate is going to be going in that direction. So I, I would have thought that, you know, um, the industry might look at that as, as, as something, uh, a, a direction in which, they should travel voluntarily as opposed to being taken, which is what's going to happen in due course. So that, that, that's as much as I have to say on this. Okay, that's that's very interesting indeed. Um, okay, I think it's fair to say we're, we're all engaged to some extent in, in crystal ball gazing, but I think from what I gathered, the impact on the level of claims and cost of insurance premiums may ultimately take some time to determine, but nonetheless the guidelines I think we would say are a welcome move towards greater clarity and consistency, at least in the valuation of person rewards in Ireland generally. Um, I'd very much like to thank all the guests for participating in what has really been um, a fascinating and lively discussion for giving some really interesting insights on what is coming down the tracks. It's fair to say that all practitioners in the field will be required to adapt quickly as a new changes come into play in the months ahead. That's all for now and thank you for listening.